And knowing that should bring us comfort. When life throws unexpected surprises at us, to know that God is working out everything according to his will. That he's chosen to fix his love upon us. And that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That should bring us comfort. We can trust God. He's king. He's in control of all things. And knowing that should lead us to praise God, our Father, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. One commentator wrote this, if we belong to Christ, Paul says, we can be sure that God put our name down as part of his church even before the world began. Out of grace and in divine sovereignty, he chose each one of us to belong to him. It was not because we were more worthy than anyone else or more deserving or meritous, but simply because God willed to choose us. It should bring us great comfort. Although this uh, is a teaching that, is, that has been disputed over the years, this idea of God's sovereignty and choosing of a people uh, for himself. Uh, and there is a tension, there is a mystery there uh, because the Bible is clear that God uh, chooses and he is sovereign, he's in control. But it is also clear that we are responsible uh, for the way that we respond to the gospel. It is a mystery and how it holds together, only God knows. And that's the point. We're not God. God knows how it holds together. And we rest in that. We trust him uh, in that. The second thing that we see in this choosing uh, is that it came through a, a, a buying. It came through redemption uh, in Christ. Verse 7, he's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. There's a story of, a, of an American pastor who met a young boy outside his church who, who was carrying this cage with birds in it. And the pastor said to this child, what are you doing with those birds? Where do you get them from? What are you going to do with them? Uh, and the boy said, well, I caught them in the field and I'll probably play with them for a little, for a little bit, but then I'll probably just feed them uh, to my cat. And so the pastor looking at this uh, boy with this cage and these birds said, uh, well, let me buy them off you. So he offers him $2 to buy at these birds. And the boy's response, Mister, you don't want them. They're just little old birds who can't sing very well. But the pastor insisted uh, and he paid the boy the $2 and the boy uh, danced away happy that he got $2 out of these uh, birds that can't sing. Um, and so the pastor grabs the cage and takes it around the back of the church uh, and lets them free. The following Sunday, he brings this cage into the pulpit as he's preaching and shows the church. Uh, and he says, uh, the boy told me the birds were not songsters. But when I released them and they winged their way heavenward, it seemed to me they were singing, redeemed, redeemed, 
redeemed. We sing the same song. We sing the song of redemption. We have been redeemed. We've been bought at a price, and that price was Jesus uh, dying on the cross. He died to free us from the bond of sin. We have been redeemed. We have been purchased. We've been bought at a price. And that price was the death of Jesus. And it's in him we have forgiveness. Our sin is forgiven in him. And he has lavished his grace upon us. And so we sing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. And I think we need reminding of that often. I think that's one of the reasons um, the Lord gave us the Lord's Supper. To remind us of the price that was paid for our freedom. Every time we share in bread and wine, it should remind us of the price that was paid for us. Christ gave his life to free us from sin and to give us a new life. In him, we are redeemed. Verse 13 And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. We need to hear the good news, the gospel. And people out there need to hear the gospel so that they too might be included in the people of the redeemed. It's a common experience that we uh, have as we gather together as the church here. And there's something about, uh, there's something special about uh, sharing a common experience. Because you feel part of something. You feel together. I I, uh, play cricket and I love it. I love playing uh, with the team that I'm in. uh, Because I feel part of it. Because of the shared experiences experiences that we have, uh, the highs and lows, the wins, the losses, uh, we've gone through that together. And so I'm part of that team because of the shared experience uh, of playing uh, cricket together. And as we come together uh, as a church, we share a common experience. We share that common experience of uh, having new life in Jesus of being redeemed uh, by him. And so there's something special uh, about those times when we come together. As we come together as those who have faith uh, in Christ and know his love and his forgiveness. And what a blessing that is. There are some who attend a church gathering each week and still don't feel part of the church. And it might be because the people aren't friendly uh, or something else. But I think the main reason uh, is probably that they haven't responded uh, to the gospel. They have not seen themselves uh, as someone who needs Christ and his uh, forgiveness. They 
uh, haven't uh, experienced the shared experience that we have. We've all been forgiven. We've all received new life in Christ. And so there's something special as we gather together with that shared experience. We're part, and we feel part, or we should feel part of his church. The third thing that we see in this calling is that we're called to be holy and blameless, verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He called us to be holy and blameless. We see several times in this passage uh, that phrase, in Christ. In Christ we are called to be holy. In him we're called to be blameless. As we grow in our relationship with Christ, uh, his likes become our likes. His dislikes become our dislikes. His concerns become our concerns. Our old sinful habits are replaced by new habits uh, in Christ. Bit by bit, day by day, our lives reflect. Uh, and the life of the church will reflect uh, Jesus and his likeness. And you'll remember one of our summer uh, memory verses. Galatians 5. Uh, who can remember what that is? The fruit of the Spirit. Yep. Yep. People's brains are rattling here. Just to think. Yeah, brilliant. Self-control. Have we said that one? Yeah, brilliant. That verse is a is a wonderful test for us to see how our likeness in Christ is growing. If we want to see how we're growing, look at those. Look at that verse. Where do we need to grow even more? Look at the fruit of the Spirit. We're called uh, to be holy and blameless. And the final thing that we see uh, is uh, the unity of the church in verse 10. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. That is the goal. And the local church, uh, us here at Trinity, is to be a picture of that future. We're meant to reflect the unity and community of the heavenly church. We live in a world where, where we've never uh, been more connected through smartphones, through social media, through whatever else uh, is around. Yet it seems to me that people have never felt so isolated, so alone. And we as a church are to offer something different. We're to be a place that offers to the world, a place for people to be part of a real community. The church is not a social club. It's a new community brought together in Christ. It's a people saved by him, pointing people to the kingdom that is to come. That is why we're to be devoted to the things that we looked at last week working hard at being together and sharing life, creating opportunities 
uh, to do that. The church is to be a place that shows the world there is something different, something better, something uh, lasting. We are a new community who is to show the world a glimpse of heaven uh, that is to come. And all this, uh, this calling, uh, will lead us to give thanks and praise to God. That is what we're called to do. Furthermore, verse 11, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. In this calling, we're to proclaim the glory of our God. We're to proclaim his grace and his mercy and his saving love. People uh, should be able to point to us and say, what a great God they have. Look at how he's working among those people. How he's working through them. What a great God uh, they have. He should be glorified through how we live, uh, through what we say as individuals and as a church. If we're trusted in Christ, then we have been called, uh, called by God before the universe began. He called us, he redeemed us, he bought us at a price. And he's brought us together uh, as a new community to live our lives like Christ, to be holy uh, and blameless, and to be a picture to the world around us of what is to come for all who believe and trust in him. And we respond to this call uh, by giving him, our great God, all the glory and praise and honor that's due to his name.